0: Has anyone ever accused you of loving to argue? My mother was convinced my brother would argue with a light pole and stand there and keep at it until he won. You know, as for as long as people have been making choices, the possibility for argument or debate has existed. People argue and debate over all kinds of things. At the risk of offending someone, I'm willing to state that some arguments fall into the category of being rather pointless. For example, which side of the argument would you come down on? Toilet paper, over (laughs) or under? Does turning up the A.C. make it hotter or colder? If fruit was able to fight, which kind would win? Which weighs more, a pound of bricks or a pound of feathers? Does frosting turn a muffin into a cupcake? Is a hot dog a sandwich? How deep can a pan be before it becomes a pot? (laughs) Now, people argue over things like that. Now, not all debate topics are quite as trivial as these. If you go to procon.org website, there's a list of 50-plus topics, main debate topics, that are listed there. Uh, There are quotes, both pro and con, Uh, as well as readers' comments. They're listed alphabetically, and they run the gamut. For example, you'll find topics like cell phones. Are they safe? The death penalty. The value of a college education. Should the federal minimum wage be increased? Should social security be privatized? Men, you'll like this one, ladies as well. Is golf a sport? And the Israeli-Palestinian conflict are just a few of the ones that are mentioned there. Now, this morning, we're going just to touch on a debate that has been around for centuries, especially in religious circles. In fact, some consider this subject as one of the central reasons for the European Reformation, a split that occurred on October the 31st, which would be a week from this coming Tuesday, 500 years ago. It was a split between the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant Church. You may recall there was a young monk or professor named Martin Luther. He took his 95 thesis document and went to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral or uh, building and nailed it to the door and it changed the course of society and religion forever. And one of those debates poses the question, is salvation by faith alone, or is salvation by faith plus works? Now, Baptists, historically, have come down on the side only faith is required. Catholics have come down on the side that faith and works are both important now the story of Tabitha or Dorcas our New Testament woman of the day throws her weight I believe on one side of this argument this woman had two names Tabitha an Aramaic name and Dorcas her Greek name so let me invite you to take your Bibles Or reach forward and find a Pew Bible Or find your mobile device Turn with me to the book of Acts Extremely easy to find Acts is the story of the early Christian church You go past the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John And you're in Acts We're going to start reading in chapter 9 Looking at verse 36 In Joppa There was a disciple named Tabitha, which, when translated, is Dorcas, who was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, They sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, He said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner, named Simon. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As you heard, this story is set in the town of Joppa. That may not ring any bells for you, because Joppa later became Jaffa, and Jaffa has now been encompassed by the modern city of Tel Aviv the largest metropolitan area in Israel. Joppa was a port city, meaning there were high numbers of fishermen and seamen there. The combination of shipwrecks and storm drownings left numerous widows, children without husbands and fathers and a source of income. Because of Joppa's location, it is likely that Joppa had a high proportion of widows compared to other towns in the area. An interesting fact about Tabitha, she is the only woman in the Bible called a disciple. At some point in her life, Tabitha had heard the story about Jesus, heard his teachings, Heard about his death, his resurrection, and as a result, she opened up her heart and life to him. Because of her actions, Tabitha was called a disciple. And that's just a word that simply means a follower, a learner about Jesus. She was following the example of Jesus in doing good and helping those in need. So, what do we know or don't know about Tabitha? In actuality, we really don't know too much. We're clueless about her age, her nationality, her position in life, whether or not she was married, whether she lived alone, whether she was rich or poor. We don't know any of that. But we do know that we have met people like Tabitha, who is always doing good and helping the poor. We're not told how long Tabitha had been sick. I think we can assume that her death was probably not by accident, nor was it a sudden death. The manner and the cause of her death are not disclosed. When she died, you remember what they did? The disciples washed her body and put her in an upper room. Now that was significant. Upper rooms played a special part in biblical life. Upper chambers or rooms of houses were used at times when large groups were needed, when privacy was needed, or sometimes for special events like births or blessings or even deaths. But also here, maybe Luke, the author of Acts is drawing a comparison between Tabitha, maybe, and Jesus because you recall Jesus meeting with his disciples in that upper room for that last meal before he was later arrested, and crucified. Now, we're not told by the scriptures why the disciples felt they needed to go tell Peter. Perhaps Peter knew Tabitha. Maybe she held some position of respect in Peter's life or within the life of the early Christian church. It was unlikely that the people who asked Peter to come, actually intended for him to raise Tabitha from the dead. In fact, Tabitha had probably been dead for several days before Peter arrived. Joppa and Lydda were, was over 12 miles apart from each other. As you might imagine, the story of this resurrection had an impact both on the surrounding area And probably on Peter. I think it's fair to assume that seeing a good, strong, and kind woman be raised from the dead by one claiming authority from Christ did a lot to help the Christian image in Joppa and the surrounding areas. You may recall that this passage concludes with Luke telling us that the story of Tabitha. The resurrection became known all over the city, and as a result, many people believed in the Lord. Luke wrote the book of Acts primarily to witness and convert the Gentile or the non-Jewish population of his world. As you notice, Luke interchanges the names. Sometimes he uses Tabitha, Sometimes he uses Dorcas. Maybe he's doing that on purpose to speak to the Gentile reader. Tabitha might have been well known among both the Jewish and the Gentile Greek population of Joppa. It wasn't long after Tabitha was raised from the dead that Peter received that vision or that direction from God that The gospel was to be preached not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. What happened to Tabitha might have played a role in Peter accepting that new direction from God. You know, it's it's interesting today that missionary work sometimes follows the same sort of pattern that we see here with Tabitha. In parts of the world that are hostile or indifferent to Christianity, missionaries often have to preach the gospel through humanitarian efforts, through charities, or one-on-one service to individuals and families. Oftentimes, these missionaries are forbidden by law or cultural custom to witness, or to formally share the gospel. Yet through their service efforts, people come to experience and taste the love of Christ and their hearts are softened and prepared to receive the gospel when they finally do hear it. When it comes right down to it, Tabitha was really one of the first humanitarian service missionaries in the Christian church, which makes her one of the first female missionaries we hear mentioned in the New Testament. Tabitha was known for doing good. She was known for her charitable deeds, for helping the poor, and for sewing robes, tunics, garments. Many of the widows in Joppa we're probably walking around town wearing clothes that had been made by Tabitha. She focused her serving in doing what she was good at. She could sew, so she sewed to the best of her ability. The question comes to each of us. What are we good at? What do you enjoy doing? What are you passionate about? Are you channeling that giftedness for Christ? You know, it it gives me great joy to be able to share that there are many oak miners who are doing exactly that, using their giftedness in ministry. Tying into our story about Tabitha, who was a seamstress, we'd like to highlight one of our more recently formed teams, the Knit Together You and Me team. Now, no doubt, you have already noticed all of these beautiful shawls and lap robes here on the modesty rail behind me. All of these were made, if not all, maybe by oak miners through the Knit Together You and Me team. I'd like for us to take a moment to meet this team.
1: Hi, I'm Nancy Shack. I'm the leader of Knit Two Together, You and Me, which is our knit group here at Oakmont Baptist Church. If you're not a knitter, knitting two together reduces the stitches, but we call it fellowship together, and we depend on the Lord to help us knit, so it's you and me. The team is working on dishcloths right at the moment. We're doing it for Samaritan's Purse, and they're due in November. We also do hats, uh, lap robes for people in need here at the church, shawls, baby blankets. Sometimes it's what the knitter or crocheter wants to make, and sometimes it's what the church needs. I made this dishcloth the other day in about four hours. So it doesn't take very much. It's only one stitch, one or two stitches, and... uh, it's usually a person's first project. So it goes very quickly. We do give lessons if you would like to learn how to knit or crochet, and we're always available to do that. About 20 years ago, I walked into a knit store and told the layout, I didn't want to crochet anymore. I wanted to knit, and she gave me a videotape. So I learned by videotape how to knit, but. I find that it's much easier to knit with other people around than it is to knit at home alone. That's just not fun. My mother taught me how to knit when I was 10 years old. I've knit for a long time. I do crochet, but not often. But I also knit for Threads of Love, which is knitting for preemies and newborns in hospitals. Uh, We have probably had, A high number of 18, and we've had low number of down to three. But it comes and goes. I don't worry about it at all. I let the Lord bring the people in. It will ebb and flow. It'll, our numbers will come back up now that it's getting cooler and winter. People sit there and start getting their needles back out again. We meet here at Oakmont Baptist Church every Tuesday between 10 and 12. Uh, in the multi-purpose room, and we have people off-site that knit at home and hand it in later, and that's fine, you know, we'll include them in the group. We realize people can't come on Tuesday between 10 and 12, they have other activities. So, And our mission is to knit and crochet for uh, anyone who needs lap robes or shawls, maybe a hat, scarves, anything we can think of to knit or crochet. Oh, this team is so special because we meet so many needs of so many people. Um, people come to us and give us thank you notes and tell us they really appreciate the shawls. They know the shawls have been prayed over and that uh, the lap ropes have a lot of meaning. Uh, we have pictures of people with lap ropes they've passed and... I go by that bulletin board and I remember that person I see that lap robe and I go, yeah, I remember the day he I gave that to him and he smiled at me and said he really appreciated the colors.
0: It was Saint Francis of Assisi who is accredited with saying, preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. You know, Tabitha may never have preached the gospel or never have formally shared her testimony of Christ. Yet through her good works, she impacted the lives of those who knew her and about her love for Christ. She found fulfillment in and focused her serving doing what she was good at, she realized her potential. You know, while the Bible seems to be clear that no one can be saved just by works, there are many verses that remind us that true faith expresses itself through action. The highest calling some people say in Christian ministry is to care in practical ways for the most vulnerable in society. In the New Testament book we read in the book of James, faith without works is dead. If we want to influence people for Christ, as Tabitha clearly did, then we must use our giftedness to serve people willingly and joyfully. Oakmont and every one of you will have that opportunity on the last Saturday of this month. You've heard about this. We've mentioned it numerous times, Operation Inasmuch. It's a one-day outreach into our community, a hands-on mission day to practically show the love of Christ by meeting needs. Partnering with eight other churches and a number of ECU students as well, there are 30-plus projects that you could choose from. I can almost guarantee you that you could find something that you would enjoy and benefit from doing. Some projects are inside. Some are outside. Some are in the morning. Some are in the afternoon. Some require physical labor. Others do not. It's an excellent way of putting action to your faith. Don't tell a person how much you care. Show them. There are sign-up sheets down in Grand Central and also on the church's website. There is one ability that I think God covets more than anything else. Any idea what that is? You've probably heard this. Peter displayed it here. It's not sociability, compatibility, or accountability, or adaptability, or even flexibility. The greatest Ability is availability. If we don't make ourselves available to God, no matter what kind of talent, giftedness, or ability that we have, it is of no value. Ability without availability is a liability to God. What does availability mean? Here's a good definition. It means placing oneself totally, absolutely, completely at God's disposal for him to do anything and everything he wants to do in us, through us, with us, for us, whenever he chooses. In this story... Peter was available, and God used him mightily. Peter was able and available. May that be true for each of us as well. Amen.